Hey guys, Mike here. Hey, on this episode of Mountain and Marsh, Trevor Hubs from the Backcountry Hunters and Anglers Armed Forces Initiative calls in and we talk about the Armed Forces Initiative and what BHA is doing uh, to help veterans and our communities, um, getting them in the outdoors, teaching them all about the outdoors, not just the hunting and fishing aspect, uh, taking them on some really cool trips and um, getting these guys into the outdoors and into conservation. Um, as always, we're brought to you by Triptych Multi-Tool. I hope you all have a great duck season this season. It's January 3rd, and we are rolling through waterfowl season. So I uh, hope everybody's having a good one, finish out strong, and uh, catch you on the next podcast. Thanks, guys. All right, everybody, it's Mike here. Uh, welcome back to the Mountain Marsh Podcast. I'm here with Trevor Hubs. Trevor, um, Trevor's with Backcountry Hunters and Anglers. Tre Trevor, can you tell everybody who you are, where you're from, and what you do? Yeah, I'm Trevor with Backcountry Hunters and Anglers, uh, originally from, like, Missouri Ozark region, then uh, moved up to Wisconsin about four years ago with my wife. Uh, our family's from up here, so been here ever since. Nice. Um, obviously, you work with Backcountry Hunters and Anglers, Um before we hop into that, like what what led you to be working with these guys and with their armed forces initiative? Yeah, so I was in the army for about eight years, and uh, when I got out, I started uh, went to school, then I got into business consulting, and uh, about four years ago, the then CEO of Backcountry Hunters and Anglers said he was starting this project and wanted kind of my my opinion on it. So me and a couple other folks started volunteering and. Uh, weighing in on how to get the military community involved in the outdoors and got to a point where they needed a full-time position. And, uh, I took the job, uh, almost three years ago now and never looked back. It's been great. And what does, uh, what, what does a job like yours entail? Like working with, um, you know, th this armed forces initiative, uh, what, what are you doing for backcountry hunters and anglers? Yeah. I mean, uh, it's, it's tough, uh, tough to answer that because it's a new, still a new program. I mean, even four years in now, we're, I still kind of think of us as new and it's, it's dynamic. It changes all the time. So like my first year was really kind of setting up funding and designing, like, what does an event look like? What is our mission statement? All that kind of stuff. Um, just the groundwork, uh, 20, the year after that, I was, uh, 
I think I spent like 220 something days in the field for work, just traveling to different parts of the country and trying to set up what different uh, volunteers would look like and how they can run these events and how they can kind of carry out the mission independent of, uh, of me being there. Um, did that for two years. And now really this year, 2023, we've kind of seen the fruit of that where I've only had to travel about a hundred days and, uh, everything's being carried out by local level volunteers. They're planning events, they're hosting them. And all I'm really worried about is how to market those events, uh, making sure we have insurance and then doing a little bit of fundraising to keep the, uh, keep the lights on. Right. I, I see your, I'm on the website here and, and the, the mission is to instill within the military community, a knowledge of conservation theory, a love of wild places and a desire to elevate America's public wildlands as fundamental, fundamental components of American freedom. Um, I've, I've seen there's some other local groups here as well, kind of on their own that do something like this around here. I've had a couple guys on the podcast, uh, just at a very small scale though. Um, and it's worked wonders. I know around here, uh, it's really cool. You guys are doing this at such a large scale. Yeah, it's, uh, it definitely kind of, uh, kind of just sprouted and went, I think our first year we did 18 participants at, uh, one event in Eastern Montana, just kind of test the waters, see what, uh, what this was going to be like. And this year, 2023, we did about 2,300 participants in 46 different States and only, only growing. So seems to be working. So what is, uh, as a background, what is back country hunters and anglers itself? Like the overarching, the, the umbrella company, what is that? Yeah. So backcountry hunters and anglers is, uh, we're coming up on our 20 year anniversary next year. It's going to be, going to be a big year but essentially it's just we had a couple folks around a campfire on public land in oregon and they're talking and they're thinking like yes there's a duck organization there's a pheasant organization there's elk organization mule deer but there's nobody really out there advocating for the public lands and waters that all these species recreate on that are essential to you know hunter and angler success and this the hunting and angling way of life so they set out to build an organization and uh just serendipitously two of those original members were veterans and at that time they didn't really think about the armed forces initiative they thought of the positive influence of public land being outside hunting and fishing on uh on everybody's mental mental health right like you just you just feel better outside most of uh most people i talk to do anyhow and uh yes yeah, so they started advocating i mean if you really wanted to split it into three sections of what bha does one a big part of it in uh an even bigger part kind of moving forward is going to be stewardship and habitat work, just kind of maintain, making sure there's still access to public land, that the public land is valuable for wildlife. It's making the right habitat uh, and then maintaining that habitat, such as like uh, replanting native uh, bitter brush or sagebrush, getting rid of fences to improve migration corridors, uh, opening up access projects for waterfowl hunting, like do hundreds of these events a year all across the country. Uh, the other big piece is policy, right? So both federal and state policy try to, uh, try to influence as much as we can speak for public lands, public waters and public wildlife and just make sure that, uh, we're, the hunting and angling community is being represented, uh, both at a federal and state level. And then the last piece is, uh, what's the, I want to make sure I'm, I'm not so good at the marketing terms. We have, uh, like a hunting for sustainability or an R3 program, which is where the military, uh, the armed force initiative really fits in where we're identifying new groups or subgroups of hunters and anglers and teaching them how to be 
not just a hunter and angler buying your hunting license every year, but a true conservationist, really understanding uh, where your hunting license dollars go, why that's important uh, to keep whitetail in the field, keep elk on the mountain, smallmouth bass in the St. Croix River, whatever you're passionate about, just really understanding that whole natural cycle and what part you play as a hunter and angler. I would make sense. Sorry. Yeah, yeah. No, you're, no, that's perfect. I, I would imagine that uh, as I have, a lot of people um, first heard that from uh, like the Meat Eater podcast, or um, I, I just, I know that they do try to do a lot with BHA. And um, like one thing that uh, I really liked about BHA was when I first heard about them. I always thought I, I spend a ton of time on public land, whether that be uh, around the Chesapeake Bay or whether that be in the Appalachian Mountains. And um, it's really nice to have those areas to, to go and, and enjoy in many different ways. There's there's many ways to enjoy public land. And um, when the first time I heard about BHA, I, I was like, wow, that's cool, because I've always kind of thought like, I don't know where my my uh, license money goes to, and I don't know where I really didn't. I just knew that's what I was supposed to do, or I'd get in trouble. And you know, you know, you had to have the fishing license, you had to have the hunting licenses, and the, and the proper tags and things. But that's all I understood until I until I first heard about BHA. Uh, absolutely, I was in the same boat. I uh, it, it was definitely uh, fear of the slap on the wrist from the. Uh, old green jeans there that kept me buying the license it wasn't a knowledge of like oh well this is why it's important and this is where those dollars go and not nothing about the north american model of wildlife conservation i was definitely uh definitely new to all that before bha yeah yeah for sure and and the fact that now we see i mean i know there's like the the, the big ones the big talking points like the, the corner crossing that the meat heater's been working on and, and things like that but uh it, I guess before podcasts, really, I didn't know, and you know, my family didn't know anything about uh, of what was going on outside of our little area. And now it's nice to have somebody like BHA at the at the forefront. And now to see with the Armed Forces Initiative that they're even taking another step farther and and trying to help out another community of people in this same realm. Uh, absolutely. And it's kind of a no brainer. So, uh, how really how we started is one of our board members, uh, Jeff Jones, he's a, uh, I think he's still in the reserves or he's a fresh veteran. I'm not, I'm not sure, but, uh, great guy, but he returned from a recent deployment in 2018. And he's like, man, these public lands have a special place. Like I, they do the same thing for the veteran and military community. They do for regular people. I think there's just a higher percentage of folks in the military community that need, that outdoor experience, you know, but, uh, he's like, he called it bluegill therapy. And he wrote this long, like report to Congress. Like he was testifying to Congress, like about just taking a three-way fly rod out and fishing for bluegills for months. And just like, that's what really brought me back from his last, from his last deployment. Uh, so we started looking at this as an organization. And at that point, we realized in 2018 that about 12% of BHA members were uh, veterans, active duty, National Guard, reserves, and Gold Star families, part of that military uh, community. And that was interesting because depending on which survey you look at on a national scale, only 3 to 4% of the U.S. population fits into that demographic. So somehow, backcountry hunters and anglers, without trying, was already more than doubling that national percentage, right? Um, a couple of years later, 
I'm working as a volunteer to try and build this program and identify what the best way for military members to get involved is and working with land and working with uh, our old CEO and working with uh, some of the leadership at BHA to really iron this out. And uh, anyway, now we're 23% of BHA membership is uh, fits into that military community and we're just, we're only growing, getting bigger every year. And it's, uh, it's a great time. So when you guys have these, uh, the, put these programs together, you guys have these meetings or meetups and things like that. What, what exactly are you looking to accomplish in each area, like at each local level, what are you looking to accomplish? Yeah, so we've kind of kept our, uh, like the Armed Forces Initiative, I've kept our mission pretty broad. Uh, and, and you read it earlier, I don't need to repeat it, but just to paraphrase, like just build conservationists within the military community. Um, so depending on where you're at in the country and kind of what, how new that volunteer is or how new that little detachment of uh, AFI within DHA is, it looks a little different, but essentially the top three things out of every uh, event that we put on is one, we want that, call it short-term medicine or just time outdoors, time away from your cell phone, away from your email, just get out there and participate in the natural cycle, whether that's trapping, hunting, fishing, um, you know, whatever. The second thing we want is we want to build a community of uh, military veterans, active duty that are participating in conservation, right? So, you, they come from the same kind of background. They have the same life experiences. So we already have a really big jump start on what like forms a community. We're just pushing them in a direction of conservation, of hunting and fishing. And we find when we do these first two things, really what we're doing is we're teaching people how to hunt, but we're also teaching them why to hunt. And if they have that community, then the likelihood that they're going to go hunting and fishing again without uh, relying on a nonprofit or anybody to take them is very high. We're seeing about 92% of our participants right now go hunting or fishing again uh, within 18 months of attending an event. But the third thing, that's probably the most important thing we're trying to get out of every event, is really this knowledge of conservation. Is The military, the folks that join the military, they have this need to serve. They have this under these underlying character traits that make them wonderful conservationists if we can teach them enough to, uh, to go out in the world and, and carry that message. Um, it, it's, it's kind of a weird way uh, to phrase it, but public lands, public waters is one of the things that really does make America, the United States of America, unique. Um, you kind of have it in Canada, but, but you don't have that in Europe. And if you ask 100 service members why they joined, it's not going to be because of America's robust public lands and water system, but it is one of the ways that they can continue to serve their country after they get out of the military is by working in conservation and working on these uniquely American uh, ideas, right? So the last thing we're trying to do is just teach them enough that they can go out and participate in that conservation conversation, right? Whether that's they go home from an event and they want to take their buddies who are veterans out, show them how to fish, teach them what they knew, know or what they learned, or do they want to go to a local Department of Fish and Wildlife meeting and talk about why uh, striped bass fishing or sea duck hunting on the Chesapeake is important to them and why they want it to continue. Or if they just want to ideally get deeper involved in BHA and come talk about policy at a state level, at a federal level, uh, start planning these, uh, these campaigns for us that really help engage more hunters and anglers. Like that's, that's the end goal, right? So, and then through that, we end up improving a lot of, uh, of mental health. It's kind of one of those, like one begets the other. So it's hard to hard to say which came first. It kind of happened at the same time. Does that make sense? Yeah, I, I could see where um, 
it it almost it almost even gives purpose. Like if if you come back and you got you know you're a little confused and you don't, and then all of a sudden you go on one of these hunts and you're like, you know what? And this probably isn't everybody, but you're you're you know if somebody comes back and goes, man, how cool is this? I want to spend time. I want to spend part of my life, uh, my energy toward uh, conserving land for the future and and uh, maybe their children and you know that I, I I never served but a lot of the guys I hunt with did and um, I have two young children I think I think about this more than anybody I know is you know what what if what if my children couldn't do what I do and enjoy the things I do so um, I, I worry about it all the time so if if it gave somebody that purpose that you know that's great too Absolutely. I mean, whether you're talking to the VA or some of these specialty or uh, specialist psychologists, um, the, the, what they all agree on is you need something. What they tell you when you're getting out of the military is you need something um, more than your job, more than yourself. You need a larger cause to work for, whether that's church, whether it's community service, doesn't matter. But you're not going to get the same same kind of like internal fulfillment that you get in the military in your civilian career. It doesn't matter if you're going to go run a bank or work in construction or cut hair or drive a truck or whatever you just you're not going to get that and you don't realize that you're going to miss it when you're getting out but six months down the road two years down the road you realize wow i am missing a big part of what i used to get every day in the military and and it is it's a purpose right it's something larger than yourself that you're contributing to every day and we like to think that uh conservation can be that purpose maybe it's not for everybody but uh we're coming up on six thousand total participants and it's working pretty well so far. Yeah, that's really cool. I, and the fact that it is something so near and dear to to, to my heart uh, and, and to so many people that I spend time around because, you know, you kind of get in where you fit in and I'm I'm as I'm as much of an outdoorsman as anybody can be. And, you know, I I, uh, I appreciate the work you guys are doing. That's for sure, because it it means something to me to the core. Like it, it really does. It's like, as I said, I never understood until, uh, until B I found out what BHA was and it was like, wow, at least there's somebody at the forefront, kind of at the, the tip of the spear for us. You know, the people who other people look down on the blue side, likes to look down on a little bit, call rednecks, hillbillies, whatever. But the fact of the matter is some of the smartest people I know are outdoorsmen and women. And so that's, uh, it's really cool that you guys do that. Absolutely. I mean, it's the best job I've ever had. I love working here. And, and it's the people that make it, right? I mean, we kind of have the BHA has a mission statement, AFI has a mission statement, and we're all working in the same direction, but it wouldn't be what it is without the people, without the volunteers. It's uh, I, the best way I, I can put it for folks that uh, have never been to a BHA event or never heard of BHA is there's no one, whether they're a staff member or a volunteer, there, there's no one that you meet that your life wouldn't be improved by sitting down and having a few beers with, right? They're going to teach you something. You're going to learn something, whether it's about hunting or fishing or public lands or just about you know, the way the world works. Like they're just all good folks, if that, uh, if that makes sense. And, and I do truly believe that meeting, you know, all of our staff members and a good portion of our volunteers over the past couple of years. Yeah, absolutely. I'm sure anybody willing to uh, put their time into something like this, uh, that you you must have to be good at heart, you know, to 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 have the the tenacity and the drive to go outside of yourself and push uh, for something like this. Um, what's what are what are some of the events that you guys host? What are some of the the hunting and fishing trips? Um, maybe some of the more memorable ones or the bigger ones. You know, what what do you guys do? 
Yeah, so we try to, um, what's the best way to put this? We try not to do these once-in-a-lifetime events, right? Like the goal is that they can go repeat this experience on their own without depending on anybody else over and over again, right? Um, like I kind of hate that phrase, once-in-a-lifetime, and I know there's a lot of uh, nonprofits out there for veterans and for regular folks that do once-in-a-lifetime trips, and, and that's great. I, there's nothing against it. I do, we just think that there's a little bit more value to something that I can teach you to do that you're not, you don't have to say, yeah, three years ago I went on this elk hunt and it was amazing. You could say, yeah, last weekend I did this and it was incredible and I can't wait to go again in a month or whatever. Um, so a lot of it is probably not, uh, not like the most sexy hunts that you're thinking about. Like they're not these crazy, let's go shoot a, you know, a 60 inch bull moose or a whatever a 400 inch elk it's hey let me teach you the one we got coming up in january in pennsylvania is a small game hunt it's just entry level let's go hunt squirrels this is what you need this is where they live this is how you identify it and then this is how you take this squirrel that you've harvested and turn it into food for your family right and then we can grow into something else um we just finished a like intro into waterfowl hunting in new england it's where i've been the past uh six days now uh setting that up which is a really unique, I love this event. This is the second year we've done it, and I think we're going to continue to do it uh, in perpetuity just because we're 30 minutes outside of Boston. Like, it's not, that is not what people think of when they think of the backcountry, right? Like, if you're living in New York, you're living in Boston, you live in Chicago, you're like, oh, the backcountry, it's way out there. It's somewhere else. But it's really, this idea of backcountry can be anywhere. I mean, anywhere there's public lands and waters, and you have this whole Atlantic Ocean right there that's public. So we took, uh, I think we had 27 total people out, a uh, bunch of different boats, a bunch of different walk-in groups, and split up into groups of three or four, depending on how many we could fit in the boat. And we're taking them out. And during the day, we're hunting, we're teaching, all right, well, this is how you set your decoys up, right? This is how you call for ducks. This is when you would call versus when you wouldn't call based on their kind of like, their body language that the ducks or geese are giving you. And then this is why we're using this, uh, <clears throat> this size shot. And this is why covering concealment matters and why we're painting our face or wearing a, uh, a face covering because it's sunny out and all that stuff, teaching them really how to hunt, how to go repeat this, and then pull them out at noon, have a quick sandwich for lunch, and we bring in uh, like a federal game warden, or we had a really cool guest from the Coast Guard Federal Fisheries Department this year that talked about the landscape, talked about, well, actually, you're on the federal national wildlife refuges, and that's how this system works, and that's where your duck stamp money goes, and that's why it's important to keep these places open, and then really how they as hunters and anglers play into the larger conservation, right? So it seems super simple. And admittedly, it is, it is step one that we're doing with these kind of uh, events is, do you know how to hunt and fish? Do you know the basics enough that you can go into a local DNR meeting or a local uh, state government meeting and explain why waterfowl hunting and the National Wildlife Refuge System is important to you as a veteran, right? That's so that's that's kind of what we do. And we do that for four, three or four days, depending on the event. I like that you touched on the fact that uh, backcountry uh, doesn't have to mean Idaho, um, you know, three miles from a trailhead. I, when I first heard uh, the term backcountry hunters and anglers, I, at first, years ago, I thought it didn't pertain to me. Because I, I do hunt some land in Virginia in the George Washington National Forest that um, that we can go uh, six miles from camp and not touch another road, eight miles. But the 
the fact of the matter was I just never thought it pertained to me when I first heard it. Uh, but it, it wasn't long after till I realized, oh, it it's for everybody. I, it's um it's a great name. Just a, it was a bit deceiving for me back then, and I'm glad you touched on that because you're right. Um, yeah, I have a friend who uh, is ex-military. Um, I, we're both thirty, and uh, he just got head. He dove headfirst into hunting deer, waterfowl, and turkeys this past or two years ago. Uh, we actually spent all spring trying to get him a public land bird uh, in the mountains, and we had some run-ins, but never did get one. And um, any, but anyway, like he he was one of those guys that. He wanted something to do. We started doing it. He started hunting, and that was it. And he was headfirst into it, and now he loves it. And, uh, you know, we go to property that's, uh, I don't know, maybe 30 minutes from my house here. And I live in Gettysburg, PA. Uh, we hunt Pennsylvania, Maryland, and Virginia. And uh, we're hunting about 30 minutes from my house in in the foothills of the Appalachians and on small public tracks. And the same things you guys are teaching still pertains there. Absolutely. It's, um, it's one of the coolest things, especially being, uh, like, I mean, I grew up in Missouri and I remember driving because you think like the Mississippi river, the Missouri river, we have some amazing duck hunting, but the access points are, are kind of tough to, uh, to negotiate over there. So I remember driving at some point, like over, over 90 minutes to get to a public access on a river that I live less than, you know, 10 miles from. And, uh, and, and it was tough, but people don't think of that when they think of backcountry. They're, they're always focused on these great plains or the mountains or Alaska. And really, the backcountry can be anywhere. Um, like I, I, the way I kind of determine it is uh, when, I, when I can't hear cars anymore, then, I'm, then I, that is what the backcountry is, is to me. And, uh, and this area in the Atlantic Ocean on, uh, in Massachusetts just, just fit the bill. Like you're just, you would never believe that. Like you're you're going out at four in the morning on these this boat and you got this weird glow and you're like you feel like you're in such a wild place like man what is that glow on the horizon like oh those are the lights of Austin like it's right there like it's it's incredible and then you're just in this wild saltwater swamp kind of uh, landscape that is truly unique and uh, I'm, I'm not trying to spot burn but if you haven't hunted the Atlantic Flyway you really need to make it uh, make it a point to get out there. It's oh, incredible. You, you you can't spot burn, burn for me, man. I, I hunt the Chesapeake. Everybody <laughs> hunts there. <laughs> you, yeah. you aren't burning anything for me, but yeah, no. I I think it's really cool that um that you guys are doing stuff like that too. Because as I said, I thought backcountry. I thought like it was uh you know years ago. I thought it was like backpacking in, setting a camp, that whole thing, chasing bull elk around on a migration or whatever, um or or you know in the rut. And I I just thought that like. That's what it was, and then to find out that you guys are are, are taking these guys out fishing and uh, you know taking these guys out duck hunting and stuff. That's really cool because um, you know some of some of my good uh, mil- ex military friends are are diehard waterfowl guys. Like I don't know what it is. Maybe it's the camaraderie, but like they they dove head first into all of them into waterfowl hunting. They love it. Oh, uh, it is uh, yeah. I'm I'm a big uh, hunting dog guy. I grew up with uh, grew up with dogs. Did a little bit of dog training, uh, like in, in high school as a job. And any kind of hunting that I can do behind my dogs, whether I'm in Nebraska chasing sharp tails or um, you know just running around the swamp in the John boat, 
getting uh, getting some good retrieving work in. That's that's what I'm about. Like I, I do big game hunting as well, but that's uh, that's where I'm passionate. That's uh, that's the spot for me. Do you find that uh, guys are more receptive to certain types of hunting, or is it everything? Does do they they kind of fall into to all categories? Um, I think it just depends on what fills that person's individual cup. All right, and uh, I don't know that. Uh, I don't know that any one of our events, as far as type of species pursued, is more successful. I prefer the waterfowl, the uplands, the small game stuff. But selfishly, that's because um, that's because I, I enjoy doing it more. Uh, like we do, what do we do? We did three uh, learned elk hunt events last year across the West, and learned a bear hunt events. Um, we did an Alaska caribou trip this year. We do a lot of fly fishing stuff. And they all really work out. I'll say for the fishing trips, they're nice because our insurance is cheaper, which is always helpful. Um, but some of these times, like, you get out and we're on, like, the Lewis and Clark, uh, like, right on their trail in the uh, right outside of Missoula for this elk event. And uh, I just happened to have just finished reading the, the book uh, on Daunted Courage on the Lewis and Clark expedition. And it's just really cool to experience that landscape. And, and folks yeah, love it. I, think, uh, I don't think it matters so much i don't know yeah that's 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 a great point too i actually just read that i listened to it on tape this summer but uh yeah that that's really cool because uh for me now granted i've been hunting with my father for since i could literally walk dad would take me we would bow hunt off the ground and everything like that's how we did it and uh my dad took me everywhere and kind of instilled everything in me and so when i get to work with others now and, and teach them thing, what I know. And I don't know everything, but I've, I've hunted deer, turkeys and waterfowl for a long time and fish for a long time. And when I get to, uh, just kind of, it's not even the knowledge of hunting as much as it is like, we'll be walking through the mountain, the Appalachians. And I'm like, I, they don't even realize what I'm doing. And I flip a rock and there's some fossils. And I'm like, check that out. They're like, what the heck? And I'm like, yeah, they're everywhere. They're probably right over there too. And they're over here. And then, you know, it's just, looking at bench systems and understanding and when when i can uh you know cut, trying to cut turkeys off and how to set up for waterfowl on a leeward uh bank and just all that stuff and when it, when i can help guys at that level at like this deeper level i think they get more of an appreciation for it too because they're learning more than just all right sit here all right here come the birds keep your head down all right now shoot like that's I'm not like that. I'm like very like, hey, here's why we're doing this. Here's why we're going to go out here. You know, here's why we're going to set up with this wind type. And, you know, I'll teach guys all that. And it, it it fulfills me as well because I know I'm helping them out and it makes me feel good. But also it really helps them because then they can go out on their own the next time and they know everything. Absolutely. I think I think it just matters more to them. Maybe it's just a, a deeper experience. But we had uh, we had a couple folks out here that you know call in the first few groups of birds. Like we got some birds in the boat and they're feeling good. I'm like, hey, why don't you try doing that feeder call we talked about? All right, well then next group let's work up to the hail call. And sure, we could have shot more birds had our most experienced guys and our mentors done everything. But um, oh man, what was it? I can't. I'm not going to remember his name. I, you know, you meet two thousand people a year. I, I forget stuff. So sorry. This is uh, Nick. His name was Nick. Uh, we can edit the part where I, I forgot out later, but, um, <laughs> anyway, so Nick has, uh, done a little bit of waterfowl hunting, not a ton, definitely first time out, uh, on the East coast. 
And we're out there, and me and uh, this other guy are going to retrieve this black duck. And we had to use the boat to uh, to run it down. It got into some open water, and they can disappear quick in the in the ocean like that. So we had to go run and get on it. And we're we're pushing the boat through about ankle deep water to get back to where we were set up. And we left him there in the weeds, just like, hey, sit over the decoys. If something comes in, feel free to shoot it. And he was so like determined. He's like, I'm not going to shoot unless somebody tells me. I'm like, okay. So we're a hundred yards away and a black duck is just like hovering over the decoys. And I just look at him sitting there and he's looking over at us and we're just like crouched out in the open, like trying to push this boat. And I finally just shouted like, take him. <laughs> and the kid smoked it and he felt great. And he was like, I was doing my little the feeder chuckle and I blew the whistle. And it was, it was amazing for him. He felt like that duck meant more to him than any of the other ducks we'd shot in the past three days. Cause he did it himself. Right. Like, yeah, and if the, if they learn all those things, it it I'm sure that really helps instill it. You know, if you're if you're just going out and and like you had said earlier, there are other organizations that take guys out and take them for a hunt. But if it's not an experience, if it's like, hey, meet us here at this gas station, get in the truck. All right, we're driving to the spot. All right, you're gonna sit here in the blind. We're gonna set decoys. We're gonna you know if you if you have have those guys help out and teach them I, i'm sure that it uh when they want to go out by themselves they feel a lot more confident doing it that way oh absolutely we, we had another guy that uh yeah he may be the worst duck caller i've ever heard um <laughs> i'm not gonna say i'm not gonna say his name but uh you know we're teaching them and, and that's how you get better is you just keep trying and you, you listen to what the ducks are doing and you repeat it back to them but uh he was trying all morning and ducks are just flaring it's like we're gonna get it don't worry and uh, somehow in this string of what sounded like a child kazoo, he comes up with like three real solid quacks at the right moment. And this group of mallards just hooks right in. And they're, what, like 12 yards coming out right over the decoys. And we called the shot. And he's like, did you see that? And I was like, I saw it, man. That's all you. I didn't call it all. Like, it's, it's pretty pretty incredible. Yeah, that is that is really cool. Um, so what does uh, – I don't want to – well, I always ask people what the future holds for them with, you know, with a group like this, but uh, it sounds like you guys are already kind of making strides. I mean, what do, what do you think uh, five years from now, what, what does it look like? Oh, geez. I, uh, I lose sleep over it, man. Um, our first night or our first year after those events, I put like a 20% growth on it. So like all of my history is in business, right? And I'm like, oh, if anybody grows 20%, they're having a good year. So let's shoot for the moon, look at 20% growth. And, uh, and then we grew by like 400%. And I was like, all right, well, maybe we go 50% growth the year after that. And then we grew by like another 200%. And it's like, oh my God. Um, right now in five years, what I'd like to see is us at about 200 events a year, approximately four to 5,000 participants a year. Um, and really the only thing holding us back from that is, is me going out and getting the money and funding. Uh, fundraising, getting private donors, corporate partnerships, uh, like Boss Shot Shells. I finally, finally did something right with them, and uh, they gave us twelve thousand dollars worth of materials. Sponsored three of our events this year, and it was huge. But uh, you know, I've never done nonprofit fundraising before this job. Like I have a business degree. <laughs> I'm uh, so the I guess uh, the future is hopefully me getting better at this fundraising piece, and. Uh, us being able to really get out there and show 5,000 people a year what the, what the backcountry can be. 
It's awesome that that a corporation like Boss or um, like any anybody who's that large that's stepping in and helping out. It's awesome to hear that because it takes those guys. Like I, I myself am a business owner and uh, on a lo- in a on a local level here where I live at, and um, you know, it, for for a normal person, everybody can donate and and everything makes a difference. But it's it's it takes a lot. So when one of those big companies steps in and does that, that's that's a big deal. That's you know for them, for you, and for all of us, really, because uh, the more the merrier. Especially in times right now where it seems that hunting license sales are falling off, and uh, and people seem to. I just saw. I'm not going to take this way off course, but I just saw earlier my kids are watching TV on, on a movie on Netflix. And a uh, a commercial comes up for a movie called Migration, and 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 there's two ducks that are and like a goose that are like the main uh, characters for this uh, this movie, this animated film. And I thought that's great because this is definitely there's going to be hunters in this movie. I would guarantee it, and they're going to portray them as crap. I would guarantee it. Um, and, and, you know, I haven't even seen the movie yet, but I know what's coming and it, it keeps happening. So uh, the youth of today um, is slowly but surely dying off in, in the hunting industry. And so it's great that you guys are doing something to help because it, if not, uh, it, it's slowly dying. Uh, absolutely. I, I couldn't agree more. Um, there's a couple of corporate partners that we have that just uh, really go above and beyond and and I, I don't know what we would do without them. It was, uh, I mean, our first year we're doing four events for a couple dozen participants. And I'm like, man, we are really like smoking it. We're doing great. And then all of a sudden you grow and like, I'm looking at our 2024 kind of calendar of events that we're planning right now. And, um, hey, what do we have to 130 events? And we're only, we're probably going to get up to like 150 maybe, um, for next year. And I'm just, I look at each one of those, like, all right, well, that one's going to be 500. This one will be 2000. This one will be a hundred. Like, where am I going to come up with? It? And, uh, yeah, these corporate partners just, uh, like first flight FHF gear is one of our first partners and they do some incredible stuff for us. It's, uh, yeah, it's amazing to, to see these big groups work in for us. Well, I think we, uh, we covered most bases there. Is there anything else you want to touch on? Um, no, I just really appreciate you having us out. And uh, I guess if, uh, if you have a member of the military community in your life, veteran, National Guard, Reserve, Gold Star family, anybody you think who uh, who could benefit from this or or who just uh, who would like to help us even, like you want to come out and call ducks for somebody or turkeys or deer or, um, heck, just come out to the camp and cook or take pictures for us. Like, doesn't matter. If you were willing to help and you'd like to help, like, I, I can use you for something. So, uh yeah, you need somebody that wants to come, or you know somebody that wants to come out. Please uh, send them our way. And if you would like to come out and help, like by all means, like reach out. I've got enough work to go around. I promise. Well, you guys got anything here in uh, South and Central Pennsylvania or Maryland? <laughs> I do. That's one of our events uh, coming up. In uh, we just finished a waterfowl event out there, which is a Chesapeake Bay event. It's kind of like an intro, letting this guy get his feet under him, run his first kind of event, and. Uh, I think we're gonna. It was a one day event this year. I think next year we're gonna expand it, maybe three days, maybe four. We'll see how comfortable uh, how comfortable he is. And then uh, we've got that Pennsylvania small game hunt. We've got another Pennsylvania turkey hunt coming up. Um, let's see. Yeah, we got we have. No matter where you're at in the country, you should never be more than ninety minutes from one of these events. 
And, uh, yeah, as soon as, uh, by the end of January, I'll have everything for 2024 posted up on the website. You can go through and cherry pick what you want to do. All right, man. Well, hey, thank you for coming on. Thank you for telling us everything about the Armed Forces Initiative here with BHA. And uh, I hope you have the rest of uh, your 2023. I hope it's great. Uh, hopefully you can do some hunting for yourself a little bit. It sounds like you're super busy all the time. But, uh, but yeah, man, uh, thanks for being on. No, I appreciate you having me. Thank you so much. All right. Have a good one.